Hi, I'm Krista. And I'm Susan. And we are Dandelions and Side Streets. On this pod, we connect with creative people and other folks doing interesting things in the world. Writers, artists of all kinds, innovators, and helpers. People we would like you to get to know. We also review books, recite poetry, share recipes, and savor in the art of conversation. We chat, share stories, chew the fat, chop it up. We love a good chin wag. Thanks for listening. Hi, Sue. How's it going? Great. Um, So should I just go ahead and get this? do this introduction of this wonderful person who's here? I can't wait. I'm just meeting her today and I've heard so much about her and I'm really excited. So go ahead, give us the intro. Okay, here it is. Jennifer Lee Wiebe. She's first and foremost a dear friend, fellow walker, adventurer, and just an overall great source of inspiration. And um, I'm really excited that she's agreed to talk to us today. Well, I am too. And from what I hear, artist extraordinaire. Yeah. So she's an artist. She's an educator. She's a talented painter. And um, as we're talking to her today, I see one of her pieces behind her. And I have several in my office um, that I enjoy. Um, She's, I would say too, would you say, Jen, that you're also a textile artist? Or do you not, you don't identify as a textile artist? Okay. (laughs) Do you identify as a conceptual artist? Yes. Okay. I I guess. Can um, Can you define and explain that to me? I think, um, the silos that many of us of a certain age were in as graduate students in the 80s um, have found ourselves as basically interdisciplinary or multidisciplinary artists just kind of responding to the technology, uh, changing technology and um, the pandemic. <laughs> right. Basically all the shit that's going on in the world. Well, yeah, like, I mean, there are people who have managed, I suppose, I I guess I know some of them to stay kind of in their lane and, you know, continue to paint since 1980. But most, a lot of people um, have found that that wasn't enough latitude to express ideas. So, yeah, I think that that totally makes sense, because as artists, we're reflecting our world around us and what's going on, right? How did you feel about the, I mean, the pandemic was and is still grinding on us, but as an artist, did you find any inspiration from that or was it more of a reactive process like all of us have gone through just every day is a new day we're processing new information and how do we, how does that affect our lives and our psyche and our heart and soul and so as an artist, were you able to use that? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It became part of 
at least one project, several actually, just, yeah, I, I wound up quarantining a lot because I was crossing the border with my two passports mm-hmm. um, back and forth. And I quarantined for uh, 14 weeks, you know, seven different two week quarantines. Mm-hmm. Susan, you know, Susan helped me, uh, you know, by bringing, you know, coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or I just chickens. I'd wave to her <laughs> the essential <laughs> the essential coffee. That's a that's a good yeah, friend. Yeah, no, she, <laughs> my friends, my uh, my crew in in Fredericton took care of me, and uh, otherwise, yeah, I don't know. It was it was a little desperate, but also I just I really did try to treat those quarantines as residency experiences, <laughs> having been an artist in residence many times in other mm-hmm. contexts. So the you know, whatever the isolation of being here on my property was not, it was, it yeah. was productive for the most part, I would say. I think yeah. that in Toronto, we were isolated, I think a lot more uh, than people in the Maritimes. So you may have had more of an Ontario isolation experience with all of your quarantining. Um, and definitely, I would say that our, our daily activities changed and um, like uh, you know it's interesting I, I'm a big reader and during the sort of heart of the pandemic I didn't read at all and I don't tend to be a, a really big tv person but you name the show and I saw it <laughs> did you have that kind of experience like did your activities change as well yeah I'm sure. Yes. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't, for example, walking, like I couldn't, you know, the exercise yeah. for my myself and for my dog that was curtailed when I had to stay mm-hmm. on the property. Um, that was a drag, a bit of a drag. Um, I was going to say, Jen, when you were out of quarantine, though, we sort of started this walking routine. Um I think that's something that really, I don't know, I can speak for myself, but it got me through like just this sort of routine. And it's one that we've kind of hung on to, too, of just walking morning. in the woods. Even this yeah. morning. Yes, we did. <laughs> Sue's known for her good nature walks. And yeah, I mean, when you go for a nice walk, it's uh, your world changes, your focus changes for sure. I hear some uh, Toronto action. Yeah, there. I live in literally the heart of downtown Toronto, so there could be sirens or screaming or uh, protests. You name it. Um, I, I don't try to shield it out because that's my it's my environment. Um, speaking of which, uh, I'm looking at some of your needlepoint projects, which um, there's one in particular I'm looking at. um, It shows a person playing what I believe is a mandolin and another person playing a violin, a small dog sitting on a chair with a map of the world in the background. And there is a hashtag there. Oh, amazing. This one says hashtag no filter. Um, The one that I, that I've been looking at is a, hashtag jam sesh tell me about that and how that came to be uh combining vintage needlepoints and hashtags uh i i 
I kind of, I got involved in meme uh, communication through meme culture. Uh, and I think my own kids kind of got me, you know, sort of laughing at, you know, what this whole thing, this is years ago by now. Um, and my son recently, who's 27, he just, he said he, he feels like the only news he can really trust anymore is through memes. He gets it all <laughs> through memes. So he follows the news guys. <laughs> It feels like the meme, the meme filter, you actually get the truth. Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's something to that. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I had my students draw in uh, some of our diploma drawing classes on um, imagery, text and imagery, uh, play with that. Um, it's not that easy to, you know, make a meme from scratch. I've um, never made a meme. It'd be funny. Uh, what? Mm -mm. You never made a meme? Oh, well, okay. Here's your okay. challenge. <laughs> I'll, I'll YouTube that. That's how I learn everything. YouTube. <laughs> DIY. DIY the <laughs> meme. Uh, so at that platform, just there are meme generators where you can just, you know, use Willy Wonka or use Kermit the Frog sipping tea or use, there's all kinds of, you know, the standard and it changes. So, um, and it's uh, also, um, obviously there's a cultural element to it that it doesn't translate necessarily across sure. cultures. So anyway, I'm interested in all that stuff conceptually. And, uh, um, and then the needle points, I don't even know. Sue, do you know? I don't know. Trips to Value Village. Just like. Yeah, here. We like, yeah, needle points are fun. I, I guess I just started to um, collect. <laughs> okay, we're looking at a needle point of the Last Supper with the hashtag bubble on it, <laughs> which is very. <laughs> Very COVID specific. Right? Nice. Okay. So the backstory, well, you know, the backstory, um, just, just uh, sort of some of the iconic um, paintings uh, of Western culture, especially, or maybe exclusively have been made into needlepoints and paint by numbers. Like it actually started with the paint by numbers now mm -hmm. that I think of it. Mm. Um, but that hashtag bubble, um, I thought it was really quite brilliant, but actually people in the U.S. don't even get it. They're like, they don't understand what that means. They didn't speak of the, they didn't speak of the pandemic and what you were doing with your group as a bubble. That wasn't a thing. Okay. That's a Canadian thing. It's a, this is totally like, yeah, here I thought I was being, you know, we had, we were nailing it, but actually this is very specific. Too. And what do you think that's because um, I don't want to, speak collectively to the entire USA, but they didn't, many didn't bubble <laughs> or even believe <laughs> or even possibly believe that there was a pandemic. Maybe. I don't know. That's possibly. <laughs> that's possibly I don't want to, <laughs> you know, point fingers at the entire country, yeah. but let's just say we do know that there were some people that were in denial. And, here's, oh, here's a good one. Oh, so good. This is, it looks like a period piece of 
to a couple and the man is kissing the woman and it has, says hashtag me too. She doesn't look like she's into it. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a famous painting. Um, it's called The Kiss by Fragonard. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. And it's, I don't know what the date on it is. Anyway, like immediately the palette, um, the posture, the, you know, the clandestine behind mm -hmm. the curtain, um, kissing her hand. And it's just kind of, it's kind of just gone like that, basically. I've got, you know, I have, I just realized right now I have, um, sorry, I have these next to my pile of taxes. <laughs> <laughs> the dreaded taxes. This one doesn't have a caption yet. This is the this is the gleaners. Oh yeah. Hmm. So caption contest. Oh, okay. Hmm. There you go. There's your challenge. Where did Krista. you get this? It's a it's a famous painting um, about social revolution by Millet, and it was made into a needlepoint hmm. by some kit company in the 1950s and I bought it secondhand but somebody put all the labor already into the stitches right this is all hand stitched wow. well that's the thing about needlepoint I mean it's such a lost art right it's something my grandmother did she used to needlepoint like chair cushions Mind you know you. And this, yeah it was what was available to women to to keep them busy basically and yeah. create things for their homes keep them out of trouble <laughs> right hashtag no trubs um <laughs> um this one doesn't have this one doesn't have a it doesn't have a hashtag. <laughs> a hashtag? It doesn't have a hashtag either. Sam, my son wants to do this one. I'm not sure if he's going to. And, did, and you got all of these from secondhand places? Wow. Yeah. And uh, with the help of friends, Susan. <laughs> you know, an another thing yeah. that happened during the pandemic was that people started um, unpacking their collective things you know like all the hoarders started going I have to get rid of some stuff and people and then they close here anyway they closed a lot of the secondhand shops but people were really cleaning out their closets so I wonder if there wasn't a wealth of these pieces that ended up in stores secondhand stores after that or did you procure these sort of before before pretty much before yeah okay. and I would say like the sort of the supply of both paint by number vintage paint by numbers and vintage needle points um they're they're out there but the prices have gone way up actually so the supply and demand um it doesn't reflect a pandemic purge really it's it's different than that Okay. I would just add another feature to this hashtag needlepoint project. And that is that Jen involved her friends in the project. And so in, during the pandemic, people would come over and sort of at a distance, collect one of the needlepoints so that they would, and 
we would do the stitching. Um, like she outsourced her labor is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and so her, okay. some of her friends did the needlepoint, the hashtags I on top that. of the needlepoint. Yeah, it was great. So it was kind of a community art project too. So that was, it, it made it fun too. It made it possible because I wouldn't have done this without that. Like I just wouldn't. Um, you asked if I was a textile artist. I'm, I'm really not. I just thought it was a great vehicle for the idea. And I did one um, here. I think I can find it actually. The first one. And Sue was with me when I bought it. Oh, wow. It's huge. So somebody, you know, <laughs> made this. And that's needlepoint. I'm just looking at it through the video. Sketches. Somebody, right? Did all that work. So I had, this is the one, Sue and I were at the Northside Market and uh, I was hemming and hawing on whether to do this project or what I was going to do. This needlepoint was there for $25. And uh, that was it. I was like, I'm going to buy that and I'm going to do this project. So is that like two or three by four? So also for our listeners, yes, it's a needle point of a fox hunt. Would you say like a traditional fox hunt yeah. scene? Yes. With hounds, men on horses, hounds, and the hashtag follow me. I love it. <laughs> It's massive. Yeah. It's incredible. And did you do a show with all of these pieces or are you going to? This one was in a show. Um, this, is, this is the only one of them that has ever been in a show. Um, and then, then I decided that I was never going to, like, you know, I had this pile of needlepoints. I was collecting them, continued to look for them, but I knew I would never get this done um, in any kind of, time frame if I didn't kind of reach for reach out for help so I, I made it a, during the pandemic basically I put out a call on Instagram and Facebook for anybody who wanted to participate um, and we kind of brainstormed the hashtags and I had there there's probably 25 volunteers that have been working on these or have finished these so in in some ways, Things haven't really changed. People still are gathering collectively to work on projects and create art or create um, things that inspire. Well, yeah, the community aspect of this is way more fun than me just, you know, trying to do it myself. Like, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I know this is going back a bit, but I believe at some point I read an article about you collecting materials from Frenchies, which are secondhand stores throughout the Maritimes. My Aunt Polly would call them Francoise Boutique because she would always get a great score of brand name clothes. But you collected all of these pieces and then, and then created quilts specific to the, each store. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. And did you do that solo or did you get others to help with that as well. I wish I had gotten other people to help with that. <laughs> no, I did it. I did the uh, sewing um, of those. I did 17 quilts um, from Holy. 
17 Frenchies in the Maritimes at the time. It was 2000, finished in 2009. So seven, eight, nine, I guess I worked on that. And, but I did travel to each of those Frenchies with friends and my mom came with me and, you know, different places. So there, there was some, you know, it wasn't just me solo. And and 17, you created 17 quilts. Yeah. Where are those quilts now? Uh, They're in various places. Um, Friends have them there. I have some here. Some are actually in use as quilts. Um, I think I, I think I could put my hands on, you know, I'd like to, you know, my goal is here um, with projects like that, um, that, you know, I did have a show of that work at one point um, at the New Brunswick, um, at the Art Center at UNB. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd like to make a virtual gallery of that just because that work is, is pretty fun in the scale. Some of them are quite large. So in a virtual gallery, you could really kind of show that as opposed to just a you know, just a thumbnail slide of, of a work sure. that might look the same as, you know, something that's, you know, much smaller, but they're, you know, kind of, you don't, you don't know what the scale is. So anyway, that's my. I would love that. That's, I mean, to digitize. Yeah. 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 Like it's not all bad. Right. I, I don't know. I feel like you can kind of, you can have, um, there's some benefits to some of the, you know, sort of, paradigms of you know the way that we uh, sort of produce work or share work um pre and post pandemic a lot of that has changed um and some of it for the better honestly like I think so in in terms of sharing and learning about what other people are doing uh, you know I mean the world wide web is quite helpful (laughs) (laughs) as it turns out as it turns out University Art Center uh, attending the apocalypse. Yes. 2020. Mm-hmm. These are large scale canvases with uh, gold stamped messages. Uh, one of them says, peaceful protests are a hallmark of our democracy. Even if I don't agree, I recognize the rights of people to express their views. How many different pieces did you have I in did. that show? And these are these are tweets, right? from Donald Trump, yeah. right? That were floor to ceiling, yeah. floor to ceiling yeah. in gold, yeah. all of them. I did six. So I was away, I was in Spain for an artist residency for a few weeks in the spring of, was it 2018, 20, 2018? And it was, you know, not quite the lead up to the election in the United States, but there was, you know, there's a lot of um, press and I was in Spain and realizing how much airtime um, uh, the president of the United States was getting in, in Barcelona, which seemed, you know, kind of strange to me, like his, his reach um, or the reach of Twitter and then the reach through the news of whatever the tweet was. And then, here we, you know, here we were in a country that, you know, Catalan and Spanish are the two languages. But meanwhile, I'm hearing about, like, I just can't get away from it, right? It was like, so I had the idea then that um, to use, uh, to select a tweet from 
before the 2016 election, 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, leading up to the 2020 election to do six. And so that Twitter archive, which I think is still like he, he was removed from Twitter, um, uh, mm-hmm. of course, but I think that archive is still available. So I was trolling the archive that had, it's a fantastic resource of like everything that he tweeted for each year. And I selected a tweet for each year and then, yeah, made them into these large canvases. And uh, yeah. And there's some, there's some classic tweets on there. There's the one, there's the (laughs) chill Greta chill one. Oh which is gosh. one of my favorites. And also coronavirus is very much <laughs> under control. <laughs> oh my gosh. There are, I tried and there yeah, some I classics. to get the top, the top hits or sort of, you know, the, and I, I really was paralyzed going into, are we were supposed to have a show um, of this at the art center again at the UMB art center. Um, I was in a show with my friend Janice for work and my work together in the two galleries. Um, and we called the show attending the apocalypse It's great catalog written by, um, and produced by the art center, Marie Malpe and Lori quick. And it became this big, um, really fun, uh, group project, actually the catalog, as well as, you know, the work that we were doing individually. Um, but I was paralyzed about that last tweet because, you know, it was the election was coming up in November. I didn't think I was going to be able to select anything in time to like make the call in April when we were supposed to have the show when still the summer was going to be happening um, and before the election. So I just I was just going to have a blank canvas for the last one. And uh, then that coronavirus quote um, and I was like, OK, that's it for sure. Oh my it's a lot. I feel confident. <laughs> Sum it up. Yeah. What's um what do you have? What's next? Um these needle points. Uh I'm trying to corral this uh project now and, and wrap it up. Um with uh we're we're actually um going to have them on display uh, in the artist in residency space at the Beaverbrook um art gallery in September for the month of September, September, October. Um, And fingers crossed, hoping to create a digital um, gallery slash museum uh, salon style hanging of these as well. So there's those two components, both an actual physical uh, display and uh, and a virtual display. I love that. We have only four minutes left. Sue, is there, are there any questions that you have? Um, I was just going to ask Jen, we haven't really talked about you as an educator and just what you hope your students leave with, like at the end of one of your courses or, or as, as artists, what do you, what is your hope for your students? Well, I, I, I did teach, I taught online, um, Krista, this year. We had, we had a pilot program. Um, our foundation program online is an international, very international group. Um, and uh, kind of worked with some learning designers, one from British Columbia and one um, from Alberta. And just kind of really, really rethinking 
what it is we're doing and how we're delivering it. And I have taught in the foundations program for 20 years now and trained as, you know, sort of drawing and painting and um, the, the sort of being online, working, um, working with students um, from a variety of, you know, sort of backgrounds and just different contexts and trying to not have, um, we've been rethinking our program for how we can be more accessible and, and also how our assessment of, you know, sort of learning outcomes just is more in sync with what we value as educators. Mm -hmm. And so risk-taking, mm -hmm. um, being not afraid to fail, um, engagement, the engagement piece um, is huge. And so we've been reworking our, you know, to serve our assessment rubrics and just having great conversations about how we can just not necessarily, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're still teaching the fundamentals of drawing, design, color, um, art criticism, but recontextualized to be, you know, sort of more inclusive and uh, um, and and really kind of getting students uh, getting students engaged in a in a more authentic way. Um, I'll quote you in saying, being an artist and learning skills are different things. Being an artist, claiming that identity is an mm. inside job. Jen, do you have a website and would you like to share that with our listeners? Yep, I do. Um, it is, I, it's up now. It'll be under construction soon, so it might be down. But anyway, jenniferleeweeby.com is my website. It's good to chat. Thank you so much. Thank you.